Well, how many of you would like to live a successful life? May I see your hands real high. Let's all say, I want to live a successful life. What is a successful life? Money, home, fame, family, cars, whatever. Or would it be something that we may describe a little bit differently? If we ask, what is your definition of a successful life, everybody might have a different take on it. Uh, Charles Mully's story that we saw last night, so impressed by that man. Uh, he... He, he was a hard-working guy that became a multimillionaire, and then God said, you know, give it all away and get out there in the streets and the slums of, of Kenya and find those orphans and rescue them and just spend all of your money taking care of it, and he, and he did. And there was a, a point in time when his wife it, it portrayed it in the movie. I haven't read the book yet. I have the book on order. But when his wife was not too sure of that. How many of you realize if your husband or your wife came home one day and said, God has just spoke to me. We're going to give away all of our money and we're going to go find all the orphans of the world. And uh, her question was, well, what will we do for money if we give all of our money away? And he said, God spoke to me and that's what we're going to do. Wouldn't you know what the Word of God says and what the Holy Spirit says, then it's our job just to respond to it and to submit to it. And I submit to you tonight, that is success. Success is doing whatever God has you on this earth to accomplish, and someday we will stand before Him. Life is like a vapor, and we will stand before God, and he, we will give an account for our life. What did you do? with what I called you to do. What did you do with the decisions I asked you to make? Did you do what I asked you to do? Now, it has nothing to do with our love for God or His love for, well, it does have to do with our love for God, but it has nothing to do with His love for us. Heaven is ready for every single person that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But we do know this. Jesus said there are rewards in heaven and that he is coming when he greets us in heaven. There will be rewards there. We're not going to serve him because there are rewards. But may I see the hands of all of the people. If there's a reward that God wants you to have, that you would like to have the reward that God would want you to have. Let's all say it. I am a candidate. And therefore, we have to determine in our spirit what is the most important thing in my life? And I submit to you that this word tonight should be the most important thing in your life. And that if you'll do it, it is so simple. It is so simple. But if you will do it, you will have a successful life. And the two scriptures that we're going to use, I've used these as foundational scriptures in, in my ministry for years, and, and I've shared on it recently also. There's scriptures you know, but I think the simplicity of it sometimes is overlooked by how important they are because they read so simply. And it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and in Luke chapter 4, verse 4. Two different versions of the same story, but very similar as they're written. And that is, that the enemy had come against Jesus. How many of you know the enemy is coming against you continually? 
He's constantly coming against you, but he is the defeated foe. You have the victory, you have the power, you have the authority. And Jesus responded with the first attack when the devil came questioning him and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is our living. It is what we live our life by. What that's talking about is living the Word of God that is written, living the current manna of the Word of God that He speaks to us, and in every decision that we have to make, we live what God is showing us to do based on what He's saying to us. With me so far? If you're with me so far, wave your hand. Let's all say it. So far? I know that. However, have you found there is a difference between knowing what to do and doing what you should do? Can I see all the hands that you know there is a difference between knowing what I should do and doing what I should do? And therefore, we get to the point in our lives when we make a decision, am I really living what God is showing me to do? I, I just felt this in my spirit today. It's kind of a silly little example, but I believe God is pleased when we say, God said, God said, God said. God said for me to smile. God said for me to be happy. God said for me to be healed. God said for me to have my mind renewed. God said, God said, God said. And I keep hear, hear, kept hearing that this morning over and over again. And then the only thing I could relate it to it's my grandkids. All of a sudden, I think, God, what does that mean? I know you're happy when we do what you want, but, but you know, what, what is it? And, and I felt like in my spirit, this is what I heard. How do you feel when your grandkids say, Pop said? You'd be somewhere and say, Pop said, Pop said I should read this book. Pop said I should do this. Pop took me driving and did a great job. Pop told me this. It makes me feel awesome. I, I told somebody one time, I saw it now, I, you, you got to, this is humor. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is humor. But somewhere uh, years ago, I don't remember when it was, I didn't know it until we had grandkids. We have 16 grandchildren, and, uh, but it was a bumper sticker. And it said, if I'd known grandkids were so much fun, I'd have started with them. Uh, I, you know, I realize that's not really true, but you understand, I'm just joking. But if I'd known they were so much fun, I'd have started with them. The kids said one time to Pam and I, I said, we think you love those grandkids more than you love us. I said, no, that's not true. The, the, only, the difference is we know what we're doing now. With you, we didn't know what we're doing. We were experimenting. Now we know what we're doing. But, but there is nothing more joyful than hanging out with the grandkids and thinking, I, I, I believe the reason I love to be with my grandkids is because they think I know everything. I'm, they think I know everything. If I say something, they'll list it. Pop said, pop said, pop said, that's the way it is. And, and, and so that's the way God wants us to be with him. Whatever he said, that's what we believe, and that's what we live our life on. When you get to that point in your life, when you're going to be speaking the word of God and living the word of God based on where you are and what God has shown you, then you're going to have a successful life. Tell your neighbor, I want a successful life. <clears throat> now, what happens then is, is that we start to live this life and, and, and we start to do it in the little things. A successful life is a result of living the Word of God. And I want you to listen to this. I felt like this was dropped in my spirit. God will not overlook our disobedience 
to promote us and bless us just because he loves us. In other words, he won't overlook our disobedience and bless us just because he loves us because a good father, a good grandfather, a good mentor will not bless disobedience because that will reinforce the disobedience. You, you with me so far? In other words, that will reinforce <clears throat> the disobedience. So you bring people to attention. I, I really believe that in the body of Christ, there needs to be <clears throat> more of a militant stance regarding the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit and understanding that that is our book to live by and to resemble in everything that we do. I love the military. I've always loved the military. When you go into the military, you're basically given, well, back then, I hope it's still the same, you're given three books. Uh, in my case, you're given the, uh, uh, the Marine Corps manual, uh, and that Marine Corps manual is by your bedside, and you read that until you know that Marine Corps manual inside and out. You're given the UCMJ, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice, that tells you how any member of the armed forces of the United States should act 24 hours a day. And then you're given a Bible, the King James Bible. And when you understand that, that these things are supposed to be your life and that you all become uniformed, uniformed, uniform, wearing a uniform that represents your particular branch. But the UCMJ, the Unified Code of Military Justice, applies to everybody just the same. Everybody in the Marine Corps is not going to act like everybody in the Navy, but everybody in the Marine Corps and everybody in the Navy is going to act exactly the way the Uniform Code of Military Justice states, just like for the Air Force, just like for the Army, and just like, I believe, for the Coast Guard. I don't know if the Coast Guard comes under the UCMJ, but I believe it does. So therefore, we have the same thing in the Bible. And that in the old, I don't understand how this works, but all I'm going to do is paraphrase it for you. I, I was not brought up in a church, so I don't, I don't, I, I was just a sinner. We were in John Osteen's church one time, and, and we took a group of students down there from Victory and said, how many of you were former Methodists, and now you're charismatics, and a bunch of them raised their hands, and how many of you are Presbyterians, how many Catholics, who we went through all the denominations, and finally said, how many of you are just good old sinners, and you weren't involved in the church anywhere, and myself and a bunch of other people raised their hands. There was nothing to really unlearn other than to get rid of the devil and to let God come into our life. But what, what happens then is that we, we get to the point when we understand what we're supposed to do based on what the Word of God says, and that if, we, if we're not careful, we will have a mind that will get us exercised by, are you ready to laugh? Because it's a little heavy in here right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to laugh. If you're not careful, you will have a mind that the only exercise it gets is jumping to conclusions. Turn to your neighbor and say, I get that. Uh, and that, how many of you have a fast mind? Your mind engages and bam, you're off. I was with the guy just recently and, and uh, we were talking about something. He said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm never going to do this again. And he's telling me, just rolling out of him. Just, he's, he's a very passionate guy. And, uh, and, and I said, that's really great. God show you all that? No. 
And I said, well, wouldn't it be a great idea to consult God first and find out what he says about all that and then do what he says? He, it, it was like a new thought to him. And he just thought for a minute. He said, well, yeah, yeah. And I said, I think that would be a great idea. See, sometimes we get into trouble by thinking too much. How many, how many of you have gotten in trouble by thinking too much? Can I see your hands? Okay, you came to the right service. Because really, we don't need to be thinking a lot. We need to be praying a lot. We need to be hanging out with God a lot and saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this situation over here? How do you want me to handle this? I'm not going to go back into detail with, with Pastor Billy Joe, but Pastor Billy Joe, when, when, and, and, when, when the ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma, got $3 million in debt, he was doing what he thought was a good thing to do because the people encouraged him to do it. How many of you like to be encouraged by people? Can I see your hands? How many of you like to be led by people? I hope your hands are all down. People will try to influence you, and they'll try to give you a good word. But if you're not doing what God said, the power of the Word of God is not working in your behalf. Because the Word of God, in Hebrews chapter uh, 6, verse 11 and 12, we're going to read there in just a moment. The Word of God is active and po more powerful than any two-edged sword. Now, a two-edged sword doesn't mean a lot to us today. What is a two-edged sword? A two-edged sword in the Roman era was like a hydrogen bomb. It was the number one weapon to destroy people and keep order. It was sharp on two edges. It was sharp on the end. It was a different instrument. It was made for more close-in fighting. And the Roman army, with their superior strength, with the manpower that they had, and with that weapon of that Roman sword, ruled the entire world. So what that scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, is that the word of God is more powerful than any two-edged sword. Now, I want to go there just for a moment and read this scripture to you because of how powerful this is. There it is up there. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Now, if you live in the word of God, you're going to be at rest. If you live in something you're trying to make happen, you're trying to get God to do something for you. But if we're following God, God's already out there getting ready for all the supplies you have. So does it make sense for you? Kind of quiet in here tonight. I hope you're hanging on every word and not falling asleep, okay? So uh, let me see the hands. So are you with me so far? Okay. So if, if you're following God and what God has shown you, he's going ahead and he's, he's laying out all the supplies for you. But if you're trying to do it your way and trying to get God to move on your behalf and trying to do it, God, this is what I want you to do for me, that's not the way it works. We follow after what the leading of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now let's stop there just for a moment before we go to verse 12. This is a recap of the writer of Hebrews telling why the children of God did not enter into the promised land, why they didn't have all the promises God wanted them to have. The reason they didn't have it was because they wouldn't rest and trust God that he would take care of it. They became fearful. They talked about the giants in the land. They talked about all the problems. They talked contrary to the word of God. They said why we can't do what God said, and the power of God would not work on their behalf 
because they had entered into fear and doubt and unbelief. And they said, we are not able to do what God has told me to do. Now, I know what every single one of you are going to say right here today. How many of you believe that you are well able to do and make any decision God wants you to make? Can I see your hands? All of them should be up right now. In other words, let's all say, I can do whatever God says I can do. So therefore, that issue hopefully is settled by faith. But because they would not entertain the Word of God and live the Word of God, then they negated the power of the Word of God. And this is what it says in verse number uh, 12 here. For the Word of God is living. Now, Now think about this just for a moment. Nothing has changed. What is the Word of God? Living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is full of power and authority and dominion. And when we speak the Word of God, it goes into force. I spoke to a gentleman by text, just today, actually, and a few days ago, and I found out a friend of mine out in, in Texas is very ill, and I've uh, been praying for him and, and sent a couple things to him, and so I sent him a text. I said, have you read Charles Capp's book on confession and on authority in three worlds? He said, you know what? I read that thing years ago. I haven't read that in years. I said, you need to read it and reread it because you are in a fight of faith for your life. And it is so important that you live the Word of God. How many of you found out that there are times in our life that if we will live the Word of God as a soldier, enduring whatever hardships come, but we're going to live the Word of God, and we're not going to stray from the Word of God. We're going to stay on the Word of God. But then sometimes the good times roll in, and everything is going well, and we kind of stray from the discipline of living the Word of God. Got enough money, got enough health, kids are doing good, everybody's doing good, K sirrah, sirrah, don't have to be in church all the time, don't have to read the Word of God all the time, don't have to meditate the Word of God because everything is going well, and then all of a sudden you find out you're like one of those films that the little lamb strayed away from the herd and the wolf's out there getting ready to eat the lamb. You know what, what I'm talking about on TV? I forget what it's called. Pam leaves the room every time it gets to the drama part. <laughs> and, and I can tell this little elk or whatever has left the herd and is about to be devoured by, the, by whatever is stalking it. The devil is stalking you night and day. And he's trying to get you to, to leave the herd. He's trying to get you to leave the discipline of the Word of God. But if we won't leave that discipline, we're going to have that blessing. Can you say amen to that? So therefore, what is success? I believe success is living the Word of God. Now, one, in, in the Bible, there's a scripture that we all can quote. It's in the book of uh, 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 Mark chapter 12, verse 20 through 32. 32, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, what is the, the number one commandment? What, what is the number one commandment of all? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and Jesus responded, it is based on loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all your strength, all your soul, and to love your fellow man as you love yourself. He talked about three things right there. Loving God, loving your neighbor, and love yourself. And the, how important it is. But that doesn't become number one if you're not living the Word of God. Why should we do this 
because it's the word of God. Are you with me so far? Let's just say it's the word of God. So therefore, you don't love God and you don't love your fellow man and you don't love yourself because you feel like it all the time. How many of you don't feel like it all the time? Let's just say, I don't feel like it all. I, I can tell you this. I don't feel like loving everybody all the time. I feel like smacking people every once in a while because of the way they act. I don't feel like, can I see the hands of all the people? Are we in the right place? How many of you don't feel like loving people all the time? But yet we do it or should do it because we live the word of God. Are you with me? So the reason we love God is because we live the word of God. The word of God says it's a command to love God. So therefore I do it because of, why do I do it? Because it's a command, not because I feel like it. You with me so far? I hope you're getting all this because it's really quiet in here. I got it earlier, so I've got it. <laughs> I don't always live it, but I got it. You understand what I'm saying? So in other words, if, if this doesn't become a discipline in your life, you will live a world that, in, a, in, in a world that I believe a lot of people in the body of Christ are doing. They're living it by feelings. When I feel good, I serve God. When I don't feel good, I go lick my wounds. When I don't, when I don't feel like loving other people, I'm not going to love other people. Then you're not living the word of God. You've got to love yourself all the time to love other people. Well, I don't always feel like loving myself. Why are you being led by your feelings? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, your feelings don't matter. We live in a feel-good generation. What about my feelings? How about if we crush them and start all over with discipline? How about if we say discipline is the most important thing? A merry heart doth good like a medicine. I don't feel like having a merry heart. How about if we smack the crap out of you until you feel like having a merry heart? Well, I need deliverance. You better believe it. And here it comes. Bam! And now you're going to be okay. We go to, how many of you got your deliverance? How many of you are old enough to remember this? How many got your deliverance at a woodshed? Can I see your hands? My grandpa never took me to the woodshed, but he said, if you don't straighten up, I'll take you to the woodshed. And this strap's hanging here and going to be used on your little behind. The glory to God. I love my grandpa, and I believe he's a man of his word. Therefore, I'm not going to cross that dude. We live in this feel-good generation. Don't ever make me feel bad about myself. But you're doing horrible things. If you don't ever feel bad about what you're doing, how are you ever going to change? You may think you're normal, and you're not normal. You've got serious problems, boy. You're from your mother's side. Now, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not this feel-good generation. I started to share this a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think I ever got through the story. I can't think of the lady's name. You can bring it up. But, but I, she was a visitor in our church, and she ended up being part of a church, and we married, performed her wedding ceremony. But she was here as a visitor, and, and, and I was saying, I don't care about your feelings. I care about whether or not you're going to live what God's got you to do and get in the center of the will of God. And she left the church saying, I don't want a pastor who doesn't care how I feel. 
I don't want a pastor who doesn't care how I feel. But then she got, got thinking about the message. She said, well, I kind of like the message. I think I'll come back. And then she came back again and again and again. And finally, she wrote me a letter and said, I asked your forgiveness. I said, what did I do? I don't know anything. She asked me, what did you do is what I thought. And, and she told me that I was really upset with you because you don't care how I feel. Folks, this feel-good generation, this snowflake generation, this group of other, we're going to play baseball, but Susie, we're not going to keep score because we think it might stunt your growth. Glory to God. So we're all winners, and here's the trophy. I love the trophy of the guy who's taking his little son, it's a commercial, he's taking his son home, and everybody that participated in the soccer league got a trophy, and he's taking the, the, the trophy home, and it says, that, for participation or something, he rips it off the trophy, and he writes number one on it, and gives it to his son, and he says, here, you're a champion. There are, there are things that we need to learn by living the word of God that nothing is based on feelings, it's based on discipline. And if you act happy long enough through discipline, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be happy. But if you're going to be happy after something happens, you're never going to be happy. You're going to be up and down like emotion. Your emotions should never control you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you came to the right, you the right night. Your emotions should never control you. You should tell your emotions how you feel. I am not a person that is succumbing to emotions, and neither should you. But my emotions seem to drive me. You came the right night. Because your emotions should be under control of the Holy Spirit. You have self-control. And if, if you let that thing flow, it will absolutely change your, your, your life. Now, I want to give you a couple of, of, of examples here, but, but this, is, this is the most important thing. What did God say? And Nike got this answer years ago. What did God say? Just do it. Turn to your name and say, just do it. And then when somebody comes, I don't know why. How many of you know what it feels like to have the hair bristle on the back of your, you probably don't have hair back there, glory to God. My hair never, yeah, my hair never stopped growing. It just went a different place. <laughs> it, it's all in my back. Glory to God. And, uh, but anyway, if you aren't going to do what God said, he's not going to take you to the next level. Let me just ask you this question. I'm going to run out of time. How many of you would take a child that is disobedient and not doing what they're supposed to do, and you tell them what to do, and you say, uh, child, I want you to uh, tithe 10% on your money to the church uh, or somewhere because that's God's will. That's the living the word of God, and I want you to be blessed by God. I want you to get up in the morning. I want you to make your bed, and I want to keep your room clean, and I want you to do chores. I want you to carry the trash out, and I want you to do all those kind of things. And then as you get older, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to get your car. I'm going to do some other things to you. And the child says, well, I want the car, but I'm not going to take the trash out. I'm not going to make my bed. It'll feel like it. You're old. You're out of school. You're old school. We don't do that kind of stuff anymore, Dad, and, uh, you know, just uh, take it and shove it, because I'm not going to do it. Well, glory to God, let me buy the car early, because I really want to bless you, and I want you to be my best friend. Uh, how many of you would want to pamper that child so that you could keep him in a state of bondage to the world system of feel-good? May I see your hand? How many would like to take the child out to the woodshed and just teach him a little lesson he would never forget, so that he will be able to walk in the fullness of the blessings of God? Now, we don't live in that society anymore. We don't live in that society anymore. 
we live in a society who says, oh, no, don't ever make anybody feel bad about himself. Now, now, let me give you a couple of scriptures here as we get co- close to the end. Isaiah one nineteen says, the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and get rid of any thought that is not there. A man how doeth good like a? Therefore, we should have a? The joy of the Lord is our? Therefore, we should have? joy and strength in our life. The Word of God says we walk in total forgiveness no matter what people do to us. Therefore, what do we do? We forgive anybody, everywhere, every place. And we do whatever the Word of God says. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'll paraphrase all this for you. It's a man handpicked by God. And turn to your neighbor and say, you have been handpicked by God. You have been handpicked, whoa, I almost fell off the stage. You have been handpicked by God to accomplish great and mighty exploits. Our worship team does a great job. I meant to give them a hand just a moment ago. Let's thank God for our worship team. They do a great job. And I want to thank God for Hubert up there with two new hips, really getting the workout up there. Glory to God. Give him a hand. He does an awesome job, adds a lot to our worship team. He really does. But here we are. Saul was handpicked by God to be king. And Saul decides to do it his way, not to consult God in everything that he does. You can understand that, can't you, Manny? You understand that. And, 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 and I'm going to do it my way now. Everybody give Manny a hand. He's a great guy. I like to pick on him, but I love Manny. But, but all of a sudden, Saul decides, I'm not going to do what God wants. I want to do it my way. And so Saul decides to offer a sacrifice in a priestly role. I'm going to sa- sacrifice a few things here. God says, I want you to go into battle. I want you to kill King, is it Agog? King Agog, Agog, yeah. I want you to wipe this guy out, and I want you to kill everything, uh, all the people, and I want you to take care of it. And Saul decides, no, I don't want to do that. I, I decided I don't want to really do that. I want to do it another way. So all of a sudden, uh, the prophet comes along, and he says, Saul, you really messed up. And he said, no, 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 we won the battle. We won the battle. Sometimes the battle you just won can be your biggest problem. Because you take the glory for it. You thought you fought a great fight of faith. Everything went all right. God did it all for you. You just happened to show up. But then you're ready for the next time when God tells you what to do. And instead of doing it the way God said, you're kind of high-fiving one another. Everything's going great. And you don't do it the way God said, and you fall back down again. And, the, and so Saul was told that, that sacrifice, I just said it wrong. Help me out, honey. You know everything. Uh, that that, that the sacrifice... Uh, 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 Oh, glory to God. Yeah. Yeah, obedience is better. Now i got to go to the scripture. Glory to God. This is probably God showing me that I don't know as much as I think as I do, <laughs> which is very true. I guarantee you that. I let, me, let me go to the scripture. First Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, this, is, this is such a powerful scripture. 1 Samuel 15, isn't it? Now I got the wrong scripture. Maybe it's 2 Samuel. There it is. <laughs> they took it out of my Bible. <laughs> so, so, Samuel, so Samuel shows up and he says, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed the fat of rams. And then it goes on to say, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Folks, I hope I'm wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, he hopes he's wrong. 
I think we got a whole generation coming of turned on, on fire, young Christian people. That's not where I hope I'm wrong. I think we have a whole generation coming along of rebellious people, young people, rebellious. And I don't know who's going to win out, but this is what it says. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is an iniquity, and it's idolatry. And because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. How many of you are susceptible to the influence of other people? Thank you for those no hands, but you all know who you are. Let's read on. Then Saul said to Samuel, Yeah, I've sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, however, are because. Now he's justifying himself. Don't ever justify yourself if you're wrong. If you sin, repent and change and move on. Don't try to justify the way you are. If your mind is all screwed up, it's your fault. Thank you for that overwhelming amen. <laughs> if you don't have any joy in your life, it's your fault. If you're not happy serving God, it's your fault. You have strayed and lost the comfort of a renewed mind. Your job is to obey the word of God and to present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. What if I die? Die. Serving God. Getting heavy in here, isn't it? You lay your life down. Then you don't become transformed to the snowflake world. But you renew your mind to the good, acceptable, perfect will of God so that you can do exactly what God's called you to do. But here goes, here goes Saul. Well, I feared the people. And I obeyed their voice. Sometimes God gives us a word to give to people. I had this word for a gentleman just the other day. He said, what's the number one thing that I could work on in my life? I said, without thought. I said, humility. <laughs> humility. He looked at me. Humility. I didn't say this. This is what I thought. You're egotistical. You're impetuous. You're passionate to a fault because the enemy will use passion. The enemy will use passion. Think it's a virtue. Passion in and of itself is not a virtue. You've got to be careful. God promotes humility. I said, but if you'll humble yourself, and I gave him a few examples of people who refuse to humble themselves. Saul is a great example. <clears throat> he would not humble, humble himself before the hand of Almighty God. He said, I feared the people. Here's the king, and he feared the people. Folks, we should fear anything. If you have fear in your life, you ready for this? <laughs> Turn to your neighbors. Aren't you glad you came tonight? <laughs> if you have fear in your life, who's the problem? You're the problem. Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. The power, love, and a sound mind. What do you have? Power, love, and a sound mind. But I don't always feel like it. Now, I'm going to stand right up here and tell you, I don't always feel like it either. I don't always feel like I have the power. I don't always feel like I have the sound mind. I don't always feel all that stuff, but I'll tell you what I have. Power, love, and a sound mind. I don't always feel like it.
But we don't live by feelings. Are you with me? I'm not moved by my feelings. I move by living the word of God that came out of the mouth of God. The word of God that came out of the mouth of God is, I don't have a spirit of fear. Well, thank you, God, for saying that because I sure feel fear. But you know what? I just know it. I'm not moved by feelings. So therefore, I don't have fear. I have power. I have love. I have a sound mind. So therefore, if I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, I have no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear involves torment. But I feel tormented. Are you with me? Who cares how you feel? Turn to your neighbor and say, who cares how you feel? Who cares how you feel? What does the Word of God say? The Word of God says, fear has torment, but perfect love casts out all fear. Well, I have the perfect love in me from God, so therefore, I don't have what I thought I had. Does that make sense? I don't have fear. Oh, I thought I had fear. Now I don't have fear. I thought I should move by my feelings, but my feelings should be underneath the control of the Holy Spirit of my life. So therefore, whatever the God says uh, that proceeds out of his mouth, I'm going to live that, and I'm going to discipline my body, and no matter what the hardship is, whatever the Word of God says, yes, sir, I have the mind of Christ. feels to me like it's screwed up but I have the mind of Christ. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. The doctor said I'm not, but what does he know? He's not 100% sure. I am. I'm going to say this. The doctors? Not 100% sure, but I am. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. I hope I didn't get carried away with this message with you. But I, want, but I want you to know this. It will absolutely change your life if you start to become disciplined through a spirit of self-control. A fruit of the spirit, the last fruit of the spirit, is self-control. I am under self-control. I've read the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I've read the manual of my rank. I've read the manual of my armed forces. I've read the Word of God. Word of God says I'm blessed coming. Word of God says I'm blessed going. Word of God says I have abundance for every good work. Word of God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Word of God says He'll supply abundance for every good work. How about 500 bucks for the dreamland from those children? Let's give the Lord a hand. <clears throat> I'm going to close this service and go see if there's any cream pie left around on the floor. I love coconut cream pie. I want to pray for you. If you're here tonight and you don't know, know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've strayed away, then you need to get right. You need to get right. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. No one knows when our time on this earth is going to end. I am believing for all of us to live a long, healthy life on this earth, but we've got to make sure that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, but you know you need to. Maybe you've asked Him at one time, but you know you've, you've strayed away from Him. You've, you've kind of drifted away from God. He loves you. But he wants you to have eternal life. Heaven is reserved for God's people. God, heaven, God wants every person on the face of the earth to go to heaven. But he's given us the key, and the key is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if you're here and you're not sure of your eternal life with God, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. We'll take just a moment. 
Father, you know every person here tonight. Lord, if there's one person here that doesn't know you, I pray that by your precious Holy Spirit, you'll show them and that tonight would be their night of salvation. I pray in Jesus' name. And while we're still bowed in prayer, the Word of God is so simple. So simple. But we have to make a decision. Am I going to have the success on this earth that God has orchestrated for me? You're going to have that success when you make a decision to do what God is showing you to do. And I believe that there are many people who are living their life on this earth ignoring things that God has shown them to do that they haven't done. And it's so simple just to say, God, forgive me, repent, and then move forth to do what God is showing you to do. While we're still in prayer here, years ago, I was in Peru, and I was with Terry Henshaw and our son John, and I gave a word at the end of the service and said that you know, are there those of you here that know God has shown you something to do, but you haven't done it? Several hundred people there in this meeting, four or five hundred people maybe, maybe more than that. Every hand went up. And I said to the interpreter, let's say it again. Maybe, maybe I didn't say it right. Maybe you didn't say it right. And the interpreter said it again. Every hand went up. And I said to him, are you sure you're saying it right? Because I, I now know I'm saying it right. He said, I'm saying it exactly the way you said it. Let's do it one more time. And every hand went up. Terry Henshaw told me after that, it, it amazed me, but it showed me something. That one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ is people not listening to do the little things and the big things that God is calling us to do. While we're in prayer, every head bowed, how many of you believe there are things in your life that God has shown you to do, but you have not done them? Can I see your hands? Now, Father, you see every hand that is lifted. Lord, you are a benevolent, loving compassionate, kind God. And Lord, I know there is this one thing in my life that I saw so vividly this morning. My hand is lifted. I pray for every person with their hand lifted. I pray for those that maybe they didn't feel to lift their hands, but they know there are some things that they know. I pray that without a decision to do the right thing, we will continue to do the wrong thing. And I pray tonight that I break that spirit of whatever it is that's holding back every individual with their hand lifted to do what you have called them to do, to do what you have shown them to do. 
And I speak in the name of Jesus that that spirit of discipline, that spirit of self-control will be there to break the yoke of bondage. Break the yoke of bondage in Jesus' name. And that the life that we live on this earth will be a life of absolute success because we will live your word. We pray it. We believe it. We decree it in the name of Jesus. Now, let's all make this confession right now before we leave. Lord, help me to hear clearly the leading of your Spirit. Help me to live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. The written word and the current word from the Holy Spirit. Lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. My desire is to be so sensitive to your word that the moment you show me what to do, I will do it. I know that is success. That is your desire. And I know it's now my desire. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a hand. I want you all to say this right now. My best days. I forgot it earlier. Let's put it up there. Glory to God. My best days are right in front of me. Ah, because I have purpose. Let's start all over. I am here on purpose because I have, let's say it together, let's start over one more time. I really screwed that up. Okay, wait. I am here on purpose because I have purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.